how does one not have an air fryer in 2020? Like, are we are we still in the Stone Ages or what? I don't really understand like the purpose or see the need. It's just a more convenient, you know, faster cooking oven, right? It takes no time to preheat or maybe a couple minutes to preheat, and then you get your food and half the time, 75% of the time, and it's nice and crispy. What else could you want out of, you know, an appliance in your kitchen? You don't gotta heat up the whole house by turning on your oven. You know, you don't have to have one of those trash-ass toaster ovens that are out of date. You know, they're, they're goddamn non-existent in 2020. Air fryers are the wave, and, you know, if you don't have one, God. You're just missing out on life because they're one of the greatest inventions of all time, to be honest. It also comes from inexperience. Like, I don't think I've ever even eaten anything that's coming out of an air fryer. So, like, maybe I'm a boomer for that. But the the thing with it is, is, you know, my dad once said, you know, anything in life that's worth having is worth waiting for. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not in a rush. Like, what's the issue? Like, I could just, you know, I got stuff I could always be doing with my time. You know, sometimes it's nice to be like, oh, man, I'm going to have this this nice French bread pizza 30 minutes from now. It's like, <laughs> you know, McDonald's is fast. But do I want McDonald's or do I want a nice ribeye that, that takes some time to make? I don't know. Let you decide. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 115 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to preview the week 14 NFL slate on DraftKings. We'll go over some slate-specific notes, see what Vegas is telling us. We'll give our thoughts on players that are projected to be chalk early in the week. We'll talk cash game, lineup construction, tournament strategy, stacks, leverage, and long shots. But before we get into any of that, Joey, can you tell the people how they can support the podcast? You can help support the DFS Dose by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. That's where we tweet out links to all of our content, whether that be this podcast that you're listening to right now, videos, clips articles etc so make sure you are following us over there on twitter make sure you are subscribed or followed on whatever uh, podcast platform you use it helps us out a lot helps us reach new listeners so just make sure you are subscribed or followed depending on the platform and then you can go ahead and subscribe to our youtube channel at the dfs dose we just hit 140 subscribers so we got a good uh chunk of subscribers this past week so shout out to everyone that's done that appreciate that a lot and lastly you could join our free discord chat which is linked in the description down below of this podcast it's free to join and you know we we got some tournament winners in there i don't know if if you want to just uh tout yourself real quick ben but ben won a tournament um we had somebody else place in the top 50 in the millionaire maker on monday night in our discord chat and that person also won seven thousand or so so shout out to him and the discord chat is just a place to be if you want to just talk dfs if you want to you know ask about your lineups or who you should play in a specific lineup etc any general fantasy questions for this week we'll answer them and we go over you know every single play pretty much ben puts tournament plays in there that he likes so just a lot of free 
free information and you know I, I think it's a really good tool that people should be utilizing and it's free yeah for sure shout out to our boy bali who was sweating the millie the other day and yeah i mean just to tell myself had the stone nuts on the tuesday literal night. nuts yeah, on the on that uh ravens <clears throat> cowboy showdown only had it in a smaller couple of tournaments in the uh the four dollar three entry and the two dollar 20 max but banked in both of those so a nice you know 950 dollar come up off six dollars worth of entry fee so yeah i mean <laughs> I'll, I'll take it on, on a nice tuesday evening why not yeah so like if you're listening to this you know ben has won multiple tournaments some of our listeners have won multiple tournaments so just get in the discord it's free yeah like you can't beat it sweat with us it's good stuff but let's get into this week 14 slate and this is looking like a pretty good slate if you ask me we have 13 games on the main slate seven games early and six in the afternoon four games with totals above 50 And the top five implied team totals on the slate are Green Bay at 31.5, leading things off. Tennessee coming in second at 30. We have Seattle, 29.75. Tampa Bay, 29. And the Kansas City Chiefs at 28.5. What stands out to you on this slate? I think from a slate perspective, it's pretty forward slate. The best offenses have the highest uh, implied team totals, Kansas City, Seattle, Green Bay, three of the top offenses in the NFL. So I'm not too surprised by that. And specifically for me, just one team total that you know, I'm kind of looking at and it and it just doesn't make any sense is the Chargers team total. I think that's what stands out to me the most is that Vegas has their implied team total at 23 and a half points right now. And I think personally that is just way too low in this spot against Atlanta. We'll definitely get into it over the course of this podcast. But I, I think that's just the biggest thing that stands out to me when I'm looking at these Vegas totals right now. Yeah, it definitely makes you raise an eyebrow seeing them all the way down down there. I mean, I think that it just is probably because they've scored 17 points over the last two weeks, got shut out at home against uh, the Patriots last week. So I think that is probably, you know, why that is how it is. Mm -hmm. But it definitely seems like a easy bounce back spot for the Chargers going against Atlanta in in another home game. The two things that stand out to me on this slate the most is first off, I, I love the breakdown of early games and afternoon games. We have seven game early slate, six game afternoon slate. And I just love to see that. Love playing tournaments on those smaller half slates, sometimes even cash games. And that's just the best, the the most optimal breakdown. You know, it's better for the viewing experience, red zone. Just love to see slates that are evenly distributed like this. And the other thing that stands out to me is that I think it's rare to see the Kansas City Chiefs be on a main slate and have only the fifth highest implied team total, right? Like, I, I mean, yeah. they're, they're still top five. It's 28 and a half, so it's not like it's a low total, but can't remember very many times in the Patrick Mahomes era that they've been not higher up on the list. So I'm not sure how to convert that observation into success in DFS this week yet. I mean, you're not going to get a discount on any of these players because of the reduced total, like Mahomes, highest priced quarterback on the slate, Kelsey, highest priced tight end on the slate, Tyreek Hills, 8,500. So, you know, maybe it means that we should be fading the Chiefs at cost, or maybe it means absolutely nothing and they blow by this total. So I'm not sure, but it is just something that I that I looked at when I when I was going over these uh, slate notes. Yeah, it's definitely weird to see, you know, the best offense in the NFL have the fifth highest total on the slate. Uh, but I will say they are on the road and they are going up against a good pass defense this season especially so I I could see why it's only 28 points but it's still the Chiefs for me so 
That, that's how I'm looking at it. Yeah, for sure. Um, why don't we dive into some chalk talk and starting off at quarterback. I mean, Mahomes is certain to have ownership, even despite the the lowered team total at 8,100. But is he good chalk at that price? I don't I don't know if I think that he is. Yeah, I mean, 8,100 is just a lot of money to spend on a quarterback position, especially when we have some quarterbacks that are, you know, $1,300, $1,500 cheaper than Mahomes in good spots. But this is still a guy that you can probably project to score 25 to 30 points on any given slate. Um, He's gone over the 300-yard bonus mark in, what, five straight games and you know, he's he's just a candidate to throw five touchdowns in any given matchup. And if you don't have him when he goes off for 400 yards and four touchdowns, it's going to be kind of hard to win. But I think in this spot on the road against Miami, I could see fading him. And that's probably where I would lean at this point Um, is, is fading him in cash games and then obviously have exposure to him in tournaments. It's still Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day. He's still the best quarterback in the NFL. You know, you can never go wrong with playing Patrick Mahomes is my honest take about the situation. Yeah, I mean, if more value continues to open up, I could see it. But just in terms of like cash games strictly, I think it would be pretty hard to go there with some of the other options we have. I think Rodgers is interesting for the second straight week and Justin Herbert is sure to be a popular option as well down at 6,800. Yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert is in, you know, one of the best spots on the board this week at home against a Falcons defense that has given up the second most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. It's just a phenomenal matchup for Herbert, a clear-cut bounce-back spot after dropping a solid six points against the Patriots uh, at home last week. At 6,800, I think he is going to be the chalk quarterback. For this week, you get a significant discount off of Mahomes and Russell Wilson, who might have ownership, and it's just a phenomenal spot. And he has a lot of stackable options that you could pair him with that are also cheap. So I I like Herbert a lot, and I think he is where I'm going to lean in cash games for week 14. We also have some pay down options in this slate and spots that I think you could convince yourself are good. I mean, Mike Glennon has been passing down the field at a crazy rate. He's at home going against a Tennessee defense that just got obliterated by the Browns. We've got Tua at home in a game that they'll have to try and keep pace with Kansas City's offense. And we have Jalen Hurts making his first start at home against New Orleans. He's been kind of like, uh, you know, buzzing around the Twitter sphere. You know, he's a guy I've been high on. I mean, which of these low price guys stand out to you? Yeah, I think if I'm picking a guy, you know, that's very cheap, it, it'll probably be Mike Glennon at home against a Tennessee defense that has just been absolutely terrible against opposing, you know, quarterbacks, running backs and wide receivers. So this is a good spot for Mike Glennon, who's just going out there and playing YOLO ball like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, so I don't mind him at 5,100, but you know, you glossed over it way too quick. Jalen Hurts, yeah. your boy. Mm-hmm. Are you playing him in cash? Because you've been gassing this man up for the last couple of weeks on the recap episodes, preview episodes, saying, you know, he has to start, yada, yada, yada. And you just gloss over him. Yeah. So fast. Mm-hmm. No shot on playing him this week. <laughs> oh, so you're <laughs> switching up already. Yeah. It took one week. Mm-hmm. No, I'm... 
there will be a zero percent chance that I'm playing him in cash this week. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm still bullish. One I'm still week. bullish on him and his his future. on his sports cards. I, oh, for sure. And and I think it's going to be a nice little buying opportunity after you know him and the Eagles get smoked this week at home by the Saints. No offense. Look, I love Jalen Hurts. I think that he will show better in the following games. But I mean, whatever podcast that was like last week or two weeks ago where we were talking about, you know, what game would be best for him to start. Like, obviously, anytime that Carson Wentz is off the field, it's a good thing for the Eagles right now. So, yes, I I do think they should give the kid a shot. But this is a tough spot to put him in for his first NFL start going against a New Orleans defense that has just been clicking on all levels, especially recently. They've allowed the fewest rushing yards per game to quarterbacks, and that's kind of the thing that everybody's excited with about Jalen Hurts is that he's so mobile and such a dynamic threat on the ground. So, you know, this is kind of the worst possible setup for him to flash those skills. You know, the the Saints have also allowed the fewest fantasy points per game over the last four weeks. Those numbers are obviously skewed by the Kendall Hinton game, but even still, this is just one of the best defenses in the NFL right now as we stand on week 14. And, you know, I just don't trust Doug Peterson to put Jalen Hurts in a position to succeed right away. You know, he is a living, breathing donkey. (laughs) And not to mention, I mean, that the talent on this Eagles offense is questionable at best. Alshon Jeffrey looks like he's running in quicksand. Zach Ertz, stone dust. Miles Sanders is seeding touches to Jordan Howard and Boston Scott and is coming off of a zero reception game. God, I mean, Greg Ward is seeing significant snaps at wide receiver for the Eagles in December. Did not think that I would have to repeat that for the second straight year on this podcast. And frankly, I shouldn't be, but here we are. Yeah. And you know, it's obviously a tough matchup and that could warrant a fade, but I think what you said about the Eagle side of the ball is what makes Jalen Hurts a bad play this week because you really can't trust Peterson to put him in a position to succeed. You mentioned that he's dynamic on the ground game. You know, will they give him 10 designed quarterback attempts? Probably not, right? Most of his attempts will probably be when the pocket is collapsing because the Eagles offensive line is god awful. There's just too many red flags with this Eagles team right now from the coaching, from the players on the field. You know, they're playing Alshon Jeffrey over Travis Fulgham, who's literally been their best player on offense this year. Uh, very questionable decisions being made in Philadelphia. So I think that's why you fade Jalen Hurts, um, not because of the matchup, even though that could warrant a fade. I think you fade him. From what you said, it's definitely just the Eagles side of things. They're very dysfunctional. One of the worst organizations in the NFL. They need a total reset, but I think Jalen Hurts could be playable in good spots previewing two weeks from now when he plays the Cowboys. I will, I will probably consider him then. Absolutely. And I mean, I, 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 again, I want to reiterate, I'm still bullish on him. I think he's going to be good. And I think that especially, you know, coming into next season, we're going to be talking about him a lot, especially like in the off season, best ball season, because he's going to be a quarterback who has a high rushing ceiling if he's utilized that way, especially if the Eagles dump Doug Peterson this off season, but we'll have many months to discuss that in the future. So just in terms of this very first week, I, I think it's a real tough spot for him, but you know, mm-hmm. love the kid. Moving on to running back, Derrick Henry was one of the biggest failures, uh, you know, of the week last week, you know, over 9,000. He put up what, like five or six points on DraftKings. But I mean, I refuse to believe it's even possible 
that Derrick Henry is going to bust two weeks in a row in December. It's just, it's just not possible, right? Yeah, it's definitely not possible. And you know, if you're a big game log guy, every time he has put up under 100 yards the following week, he has absolutely snapped. Mm. Just peep his game logs. He's gone over 100 yards in every game after rushing for under 100 yards. So you could basically lock him in for the 100-yard bonus this week against Jacksonville. And he is the Jacksonville Jaguars owner. You know, historically, he has dominated the Jaguars, and we've seen him have multiple 99-yard rushing touchdowns against the Jags in recent years, where he just absolutely destroys the whole defense, and I think we could see another performance uh, similar to those past performances in this spot against a Jacksonville defense that ranks in, you know, the bottom three in terms of rushing defense. And at 8700 it's a steep price tag for a player with no reception upside. You know, there, there might be a lot of pros slash sharp people, quotation marks around sharp, that are going to fade Derrick Henry. Um, I don't know if I can fade him in this spot I, th- I think it's just a great spot for him i think he has 40 point upside uh i agree and the price discrepancy is starting to get larger between him and dalvin cook it's 700 now it was only 300 last week christian mccaffrey is likely to miss this game so he's kind of out of play in that price range and then i mean we have to get into the sort of conversation where it's like well do you take the discount to go down about a thousand dollars to Aaron Jones, who's in the nut matchup against Detroit, but won't play as many snaps. Or do we do we settle for James Robinson in that same game on the other side of the ball for for a nice twelve hundred dollar discount? And James Robinson has just been absolutely electric this year and dominating workload in the Jacksonville backfield. Yeah, James Robinson is a lock for twenty five touches every week, so you can never go wrong with playing him. And you get a $1,200 discount off Derrick Henry. So I will not fault anybody for not playing Henry and playing J-Rob over him. That That's how I'm looking at it for cash games. And then, and Aaron Jones is in the best spot on the board this week. It, it's just very hard to play him in cash games when he's in a almost even split with that bum Jamal Williams, which I just don't understand, you know, from a fantasy perspective, like a fantasy player's perspective. I don't know why they put him on the field maybe I could see you know to give Aaron Jones rest here and there but I I think he is it's tough because Aaron Jones is one of the best running backs in the league and he could absolutely dominate in this spot against Detroit I mean he did it in week two against the same Detroit defense and he could absolutely put up a ceiling game here. It's just from a process standpoint, you kind of don't want to play a running back that's going to play 50, 55% of snaps and seed that much work to his backup running back. Yeah, it's just so difficult to go there, especially in cash. And he'll probably have such high ownership that in tournaments, it's kind of like sus as well, depending on the lineup. So I just, I don't know about Aaron Jones. Um, you know, in that same range, Austin Eckler, I think is super viable, but we can talk about him a little later because I don't think he'll be chalk after the dud week last week. Um, some guys that I do think will draw ownership though, David Montgomery at 6,500 saw a nice 
$1,000 price bump after smashing two weeks in a row. Now gets another good spot at home against Houston. And Miles Gaskin, I think, is going to gain popularity as the week continues as well. I expect David Montgomery to be massive chalk this week at 6500 He's in a great spot again this week at home against a Houston defense that just bleeds points to opposing running backs. You know, you're, you're getting a workhorse running back at a very you know, average price tag, you know, a good price tag in 6,500, I should say. But the thing with David Montgomery is, is that he really has no explosiveness to his game. It's kind of hard to envision him hitting his ceiling on a weekly basis, unless he scores multiple touchdowns, which he did against Detroit. But those were his first two touchdowns in his first game since week five. So it took him almost, what, eight weeks to score a touchdown. So it's tough to play David Montgomery at an elevated price tag but I think his role in the Chicago offense is very very good and 6500 is cheap for that role just to just to quickly correct what you said he did have a receiving touchdown the week prior against Green Bay when he when he put up 28 points but it was a uh, no rushing touchdown since week five like yeah, you said no, and, yeah, no and to the point of like him having no explosiveness to his game it's like it's one thing to pay 5500 for David Montgomery I think it might be a different thing to pay 6500 for him I don't know I mean it's interesting because like we we think that running backs don't matter that much but he's also so like strikingly average that it's like i don't i don't know if i want to pay that price for him Mm -hmm. to be honest like when when deandre swift is in an equally good matchup at the same price and i think is overflowing with talent even zeke elliott for a hundred dollars more against a weak cincinnati team i don't know i don't know i don't think i'm as high on demont as i was last week i think that kind of covers running back chalk right yeah I mean, you mentioned Miles Gaskin and I didn't touch on it, but Miles Gaskin is going to be massive chalk. Uh, as well as David Montgomery, I think he was limited in practice on Wednesday. I think that's just a, you know, just a rest day for him, especially since he just came off of IR last week, but he had 23 touches against the Bengals. And in this game against Kansas City, which could be a high scoring game, I expect Miles Gaskin to be chalk at 5,600. This is a workhorse running back that has a receiving role and he's under 6K. So I, I think he's a stone lock, to be honest. Yeah, he's one of the best plays on the board at home like we said the Miami offense is going to have to keep pace with Kansas City in this spot Mm -hmm. and they're a good team I think that they'll put up a competitive game here even if they don't end up winning and you know Miles Gaskin has like you said been a workhorse but he's also had a really strong receiving floor which even if the Dolphins find themselves in a negative game script like I think is the expectation he should still be able to produce he had a minimum of four targets in the first eight weeks of the season so Miles Gaskin mm-hmm. is game flow independent and at 5,600, I mean, he had seven red zone attempts last week. I think he had five inside the the Bro, five yard line and just that was, that was so there. tilting. But yeah, I mean, this, God. if he converts literally one of those attempts, like, oh my God, man. Yeah. Di- different type like, of story with that play. He, he, cause he was a good play last week, like a very good play. And I considered playing him over Montgomery and he just didn't convert those attempts. And, you know, if he converts those, he smashes last week. So I think we go back to the well again this week with him at, and, you know, he got a $300 price decrease. So. Yeah, meanwhile, DeMont gets the $1,000 price bump. That's a, that's a pretty <laughs> easy differentiation if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to wide receiver in a minute. I think in terms of tight end, Kelsey is going to be highly owned as as is the case every single week. People are going to play these top tier tight ends. 
I mean, Darren Waller has, you know, the quote unquote toughest matchup on the board at 6,800. And now he's priced up to the point where I think it's kind of hard not to go with Kelsey over him when you consider quarterback play offensive environment and just Mm -hmm. how amazingly productive Travis Kelsey has been. He's already had over 80 receptions on the season, 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns, having another phenomenal year yeah i mean it's an easy decision if i'm paying up Uh, i'm definitely playing kelsey over waller for 600 dollars more like you said you get a better quarterback a better offensive environment with the Chiefs. so i'd rather play kelsey but if you're paying 7400 for a tight end in 2020 like don't even listen to this podcast (laughs) because you already know where we're gonna go we're going we're going 3k (laughs) we're going 3k or under at one of the most useless positions in fantasy football I am not wasting prime capital to play Travis Kelsey. Just absolutely no shot. I am playing a tight end who is 3,300 or under. And I think there's multiple guys that are in play for cash games. And I'm not too sure on which one is going to be chalk right now. And I, and I think that's okay to say because there's a lot of good plays, but I think Jordan Aikens at 2,900 could see ownership. I think Cole Komet at the same price tag could see ownership i also believe that logan thomas you know a hundred percent snap tight end who's on the field at th- and he's only 3300 could have ownership and even jacob hollister at 3100 after what we saw darren waller do to the jets is very cheap as well this week so could see any of those guys becoming chalk as the week progresses it's only wednesday so don't really have a clue on which one to pick but i like all four of those guys and that's probably my cash pool for, for week 14 because yeah. you ain't you ain't seeing me including Travis Kelsey in my in my tight end cash pool. Yeah, no no shot, absolutely no shot. And I agree. I mean, it, it's a it's a good week to be on team pay down though. There's like four different options like you just named, maybe even more with Irv Smith. No, nah, there's Kyle there's more. Off, like both miss practice if if only one of them plays, I think they'll they'll be popular. I mean, god. There, there's options all over the board. Jordan Reed revenge games 3500. I mean, Ooh, I don't know. I don't know, man. There's an interesting uh, interesting range here at the bottom of tight end. At wide receiver, I think that we are going to be finding a lot of strong values on the week. A couple guys who are sub-6K that stand out. Curtis Samuel at 5,200 with DJ Moore on the COVID list. Very unlikely to be able to get cleared in time for this game. So uh, with no Christian McCaffrey, no DJ Moore, this is going to be a spot where I think Curtis Samuel absorbs a ton of ownership at 5,200. Yeah, and I I think I would play Curtis Samuel if DJ Moore were to be out, which it's looking like he would have been out either way, whether or not he got placed on the COVID list or not, because he hurt his ankle in the Panthers last game uh, on that one end zone pass from Teddy Bridgewater. So expect him to be out either way. Although Curtis Samuel is on the COVID-19 list right now, as we're recording this, he probably should be activated in time for their game on Sunday, but that's definitely a situation to monitor with Curtis Samuel. And I think another wide receiver that is going to be popular that's cheap is Brashard Perryman. Yeah. 3,900 in the nut spot on the road against Seattle. We, uh, we all know that Seattle is terrible against opposing wide receivers. It's been, you know, entrenched in our brains for the whole year so far. And it, it's just a very cheap price tag for a 99% snap player. And then if you factor in that Denzel Mims is questionable for this game, I think that boosts Brashard 
Perryman's outlook even better um would you consider him in in cash games I, I think he's going to be owned I mean yeah I mean that price tag is just too good to ignore especially with Mims doing uh with Mims dealing with what they're saying is a personal issue and he might have to fly home or something like that and he won't be with the team, didn't practice on Wednesday. Very nebulous situation and I don't know, we'll probably find out what his personal situation is, but it doesn't really matter. The thing that matters is that he's probably not going to play in this game. So I think we see targets consolidated around um, Jamison Crowder, who I think is a good play too at 5,400, but the, the discount to get down to Brashad Perryman 3,900. He runs the deep routes. His floor may not be amazing for cash, but with, with a player like him, it only takes one and the matchup is so good. It's such a boost for him that I think it's it's kind of hard to get away from, especially at massive ownership. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that point about Brashard Perryman. I think I would probably play him at 3,900, although I really hate playing Jets in any of my lineups. Like, they're just so bad, and they just want to run the ball and get the games over with as fast as possible. And if Frank Gore's back, they're just going to jam 20 touches into him. So I, I don't know, but it, it's a good process play for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the more popular high-end wide receivers this week, I think, is going to be Keenan Allen. 7700 and you're getting a significant discount off of some of the top guys Devonte adams who we will get into in a minute but i mean keenan allen 1600 dollars less tied for adams for the lead league and average targets per game 11.1 they're two of only three wide receivers who are seeing you know over 10 targets per game and if if herbert's able to bounce back in this spot i think keenan is a solid bet too as well against this atlanta secondary that's just gotten torched by wide receivers week after week yeah i think keenan is damn near a lock this week at 7700 like you're basically locking in a floor of 10 targets because he's reached 10 targets in every game but three in one of those games he left early with an injury and the other two he had seven and eight targets okay so you're locking in 11 10 targets into your lineup at 7700 in a great spot at home like you said, against a Falcons defense that gets beat by opposing wide receivers. There's nobody on the Falcons that can keep up with Keenan Allen. This is an absolute smash spot for him. Should be in everybody's cash lineups. Uh, he probably won't be, but I expect him to be one of, if not the highest owned wide receiver. And I think the question or the decision point for cash games specifically is, is he as good as Devontae Adams this week? for $1,600 cheaper. (laughs) I mean, that's the question, isn't it? And we can just transition here into cash game lineup construction. And Devontae Adams is like a twofold question. You know, we talked about it on our on our last recap podcast, and and I want to know if you want to double down on it. But we were talking about how Adams 9300 might be a better play than the high priced running backs, Derrick Henry 87, McCaffrey no longer viable, Dalvin Cook 9400, who, you know, was a good bet to see 25 to 30 touches per game. But Adam's role has just been absolutely insane. Like I said, 11.1 targets per game. He has a touchdown in seven straight games, four games this season with two or more scores. And that's what you're paying for if you're getting off of Keenan Allen. It's mm-hmm. it's the touchdown upside. I mean, like we said, we, we're both looking at this Chargers line a little bit questionably, but I mean, the Packers have what, like an eight point higher implied team total. So naturally it seems like a better scoring environment. 
Adams has the most red zone targets of any wide receiver, any any skill position player in the league, and and just what he's been able to do, the way that Rodgers looks to him in the red zone, he's got twice as many touchdowns as Keenan Allen. So is that worth 1600 to you? <sighs> it's tough because obviously you're getting tremendous touchdown upside with Devontae Adams, but Keenan Allen also has touchdown upside. I know he only has seven receiving touchdowns, but prior to last week, he scored a touchdown in, what, five straight games before that? Only one touchdown, and obviously we know Devontae Adams is a threat to score two or three in any given game. And then not to mention the uh, Green Bay and Detroit game has the highest total on the slate. So disregarding team totals, they have the highest overall total on the slate at 55 right now. A better game environment in Detroit. I think that I would personally, if I had to pick one, I would take the 1600 savings and play Keenan Allen at 7700 because you're still getting, you know, a top six top 10 wide receiver maybe depending on who you ask uh in a great spot and you're getting basically the same target share uh Keenan Allen has a, a little bit better target share on the season than Devontae Adams although Adams did miss games obviously that's where I would lean right now and it just sucks because I I haven't played Devontae Adams in cash all year and I want to it's just 9300 is so prohibitive, especially at wide receiver. I think the $1,600 savings from Devontae Adams to Keenan Allen is substantial, and you're not sacrificing that much. Is that a hot take? I don't know, man. I'm really torn on this, and I also think that it's a question that you have to ask in how you compare Devontae Adams to the running backs. Like, it's such a complex decision this week. We didn't even talk about the matchup. I mean, the matchup is phenomenal. It's why we both jammed in Allen Robinson last week as well. And, you know, the Lions are talking about using pace as a weapon. They've been talking about that. So, God, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Adams is a better play, but that 1600 could come in clutch. It's kind of a thing where I think we have to wait and see and see what type of value there is because I, I would rather play Adams. I'll say that I'd rather play yeah, Adams, yeah. but if it's really close, if it's like a decision between, I don't know, playing like James Robinson and David Montgomery, uh, I don't know. I might, I might want to get up to Robinson at, at being able to sacrifice down to Keenan. So who knows? But when you compare him to the running backs, what do you think? Because traditional knowledge would tell us that, you know, obviously you pay for the chalky high price running backs, not the receiver, but Adams and the usage that he gets in scoring position is so significant where it's really close to these guys like Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry, who we've already already touched on a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a tough situation. I, th I think that both of us kind of don't know which way to lean at this point. I guess if I had if I had to pick, I would prefer Devante over Delvin Cook, since he's $100 cheaper. If we go to Derrick Henry versus Devontae Adams, hmm. Let me throw this, let me throw this number at you. Let, let me toss this stat, because I was looking at some of their things. It's like we look at Devontae Adams, and we love his scoring potential, 26 red zone targets on the year. Derrick Henry has twice as many red zone rushing attempts. He has 52, literally twice as many you know, attempts inside of scoring position and looks at, at that Adams has seen. Now Adams has missed games and, and they're, you know, reset receiving touchdowns. So there's that. But I mean, God, like Derrick Henry is such 
a good bet to score a touchdown in this game. And I think that he's like equally likely to score multiple as Devontae Adams. Yeah. So. I mean, I definitely agree. And, you know, you're getting a $600 discount if you're just comparing the two players to Derrick Henry, who's 8,700. And he's going to see what? 15 more touches than Devontae Adams, most likely, uh, which obviously gives him more opportunity to score points. But the way Devontae Adams scores is so valuable in fantasy. It's, it's just very tough to decision and for Derrick Henry to get there, you know, you need him to get there on volume and touchdowns. Meanwhile, Devontae Adams can get there on eight catches, you know, and touchdowns. Yeah. So, so it's, it's just, it's just a tough situation. My bias is just telling me to play the running back that's going to get 30 touches in a great spot. But this year, and Devontae Adams specifically is telling me that he he's just as good of a play, if not better, than Derrick Henry for only a couple hundred dollars more. So, man, it, it's it's truly tough, and I can 100% say that I just truly don't know yeah. right now, and I usually do. <laughs> That's the thing. I usually do, and I just don't know, and sometimes... That that's all you can say. You just gotta get through the week, and then and then we'll figure it out. So, join the Discord yeah, for our thoughts. Yeah, jump on, jump on in the Discord. Situation. We'll be talking about this Friday, Saturday, as as information continues to come up. So, separating Adams and then just focusing in on these running backs in terms of cash game lineup construction. How do you feel about Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook? Like we've acknowledged that Henry is a good play. We're both bullish on him. We don't think he's gonna bust in this spot two weeks in a row in December in a good matchup. Like he's a good play, but do you need to go there in cash? We already mentioned James Robinson, 1200 less, Uh, Austin Eckler, 1700 less. And even in his bust game last week had nine targets. And if we think that this whole offense bounces back, I think we think that Austin Eckler bounces back. He is a phenomenal play to me. David Montgomery, you know, again, we're just, we're looking at significant discounts at this point. DeAndre Swift is a guy that I'd be willing to play in cash. You know, he practiced in Wednesday. If he gets there at home against Green Bay, I think that he's in play as well. And just, just the list goes on and on. Miles Gaskin, it's like you could easily pick three of those guys and not go anywhere near that range of Derrick Henry in cash and still have really solid core. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with that. And I just want to touch on a couple things. So the Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook thing, you know, if you truly believe that defense doesn't matter you're gonna play Delvin Cook for 700 more I think Delvin Cook has a higher receiving floor than Derrick Henry um you know he he has five six plus target upside whereas Derrick Henry does not although you know it is a tough spot like I said if you believe defense doesn't matter I think Delvin Cook over Derrick Henry is the correct process move so that that's the first thing I wanted to say and then just touching on the mid-range guys and you know whether we can fade Derrick Henry or Delvin Cook. I think it's very possible. And I, I like playing a core of three of these guys that are 7,500 or below. I like James Robinson a lot at home against the Titans. Um, 25 touches minimum for him. I think Austin Eckler at 7K is in a better spot than he was last week and he's not going to be on makes no sense to me david montgomery we already talked about him deandre swift is in a great spot but you know he he could be java best 2.0 no who knows shot. with this concussion that's disrespectful, he's, that's disrespectful. He's, <laughs> he's sick right now but you know ap said he hasn't been feeling like himself after he got knocked in the head so i don't know if i would go there but like it's just like would I rather play Eckler 
as 7k over Montgomery as 6,500. For me, I would. Cause how I look at it is I'm paying $500 for a player who is more talented than the other guy. Exponentially you know? more talented. Like it's yeah, not even like close. Massively. <laughs> massively more talented. Higher reception upside. I think he has a higher receiving floor as well. In a great spot. And I think this is a better game environment for the uh, Chargers and Falcons over the Bears in Houston. So maybe we see Eckler become chalk because... He, he, you know, he gets a $100 price de- decrease and he's not going to be chalk. It, it wouldn't make much sense to me. So I like Eckler again at 7K and maybe he's in my cash lineup again. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. And it's it's much closer this week with the difference only being 500 opposed to like what, 1600 that it was last week between Montgomery and mm-hmm. Eckler. So yeah, th- these are all things that I'm considering. And, and where I stand right now, you know, gun to my head, if I had to answer weird situation if someone's like pulling a gun on me to ask me dfs questions but you know if that were the case i think i would say that i will probably not have derrick henry in my cash game lineup this week which is a really scary thing to think about in december going against a team that he has been the absolute daddy of for years now so god i don't know but i love adams and i love these other running backs so that's kind of where i am here as we record this late wednesday evening In terms of the wide receiver position, I mean, the guys that I'm most interested in at this point in the week are the guys that we've talked about. Adams, Keenan, uh, Curtis Samuel, I think is really super interesting. Uh, Brashad Perryman. I mean, some of the other value plays that I think are interesting. I mean, mean, my heart wants me to play Darius Slayton at 4,200. It's just you really can't go there in any type of reasonable way where he's had two or less targets and you know three of his last four games so that's tough but mike williams i think at 4700 stands out yeah i like mike williams a lot this week and i i don't think he'll be owned in cash could be wrong about that i saw nine targets against new england but it was a blowout and he doesn't have as much target upside as keenan and i think other guys in this range are, are going to have more ownership like curtis samuel who we talked about and then if you you know, just want to pay down to Perryman. I think he will be more owned. So he sits in kind of this no man's land where people might play him. People might not play him. Uh, he pairs well with Justin Herbert though, if you want to play Herbert in cash games. So I like Mike Williams a lot. We'll just have to see how the lineup unfolds in terms of that. But just touching on, uh, cheap wide receivers, I, I don't see many that I would consider. I think that if you want, you can go to Michael Gallup, who's 3,800, yeah. really cheap. Had 11 targets against Baltimore, eight targets a week before against Washington. And Andy Dalton looks to him. So, and this is an Andy Dalton revenge game too. Mm. So you can expect the Cowboys to be turned up for this game going into Cincinnati and it's it's a good matchup for Gallup so if you want I don't hate it 3800 could I maybe right now can't say I I could prefer him to Perryman straight up maybe not I don't know I could see it I could see it I mean I think he has maybe more upside I don't know the matchup is good for Perryman that one's tough for me I will have to think about that some other names that I think are interesting in terms of like wide receivers that are sub 6k we have Brandon Ayuk, who's been on absolute fire, and he had another good game against the Bills. He's had 19.7 or more points, basically 20 points in 
you know, his last four games, Debo Samuel missed practice. So that's something to keep an eye on. I think a lot of ownership would consolidate around Ayuk if if Debo were to miss. We've got Jamison Crowder at the same price, 5,400, who I think objectively is a better play than Brashad Perryman, but that the discount and salary comes into play between those two guys. And uh, AJ Brown missed practice as well on Wednesday. That is another situation to keep an eye on. We saw Corey Davis go absolutely nuclear. We talked about that on the recap show, how he has found a rejuvenation in his career. And he was, you know, just absolutely monstrous last week, 11 for 182 and a touchdown. I think he would be super popular if AJ Brown were to miss. And I think he's viable if AJ Brown plays it well at 5,700 against the Jags. Yeah, I think Corey Davis is viable even with AJ Brown in the the lineup. I mean, got it. Corey Davis has been getting more targets than AJ Brown all season for some reason. Yeah. Um, don't know why, but you, you get a significant discount from AJ Brown to Corey Davis, almost $2,000 for that discount. So I, I don't mind Corey Davis at 5,700. I really don't mind him if you, if you want to go there and you realistically could play three wide receivers under 6k and, and be okay. I think I, if you want to go that route, I think you could be fine. It's just, I, I wouldn't feel too comfortable not having you know a Devonte or a Keenan in my lineup but it's viable and in terms of tight end I think we kind of covered it like there's just a bunch of guys I mean are any of them like a true priority for you because kind of where I'm looking at it is like I'll just kind of play whoever in this range like maybe one of them will become better as the week develops and the situations change but like as it stands right now, I mean, there are like six, seven guys under 3,500 that I would be fine with. Jordan Reed, revenge game. Hollister in the nut spot uh, against the Jets team that just gave up almost 50 points to to Darren Waller. We got uh, Akins, who I, I think is kind of being overprojected at 2,900. Cole Komet, 2,900 coming off a seven-target game going against Houston. Uh, maybe even Ian Thomas at the Stone Men with all of the injuries that we've got in Carolina, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, maybe Curtis Samuel ends up not getting activated and they've really got what Robbie Anderson, Mike Davis and Ian Thomas at that point. So that that's, that's Mm. something that could open up as the week develops, but God, like it's just kind of for me, like whoever fits, right? Yeah. That's the way that I'm approaching it this week is you build your lineup, you get all the important positions in there and then you see how much salary you have left for a tight end and a defense. You plug in the defense before the tight end, you know, get whatever defense you think has a lot of upside and then whatever tight end fits. Mm. If it's $2,500, you go Ian Thomas. Yep. You know, if it's, if it's 3K, you go Akins or Komet. If it's, you know, 3,300, you go Logan Thomas. I think that's how I'm approaching it this week because I think they're all really similar. They're all projecting really similar in terms of uh projected points for this week. Aikens, like you said, it is projecting a little bit better than the rest. So that's why I think he could end up being chalk or chalky, I should say. I really just, I don't know. I, I don't care about tight end, to be <laughs> honest. Yeah. Like they're, they're just so bad. They're all the same. It's just like one of them will catch a touchdown and blow the others exactly. out of the water. The rest will have, you know, three for 30 on four targets. So. <laughs> um, and that that won't even kill you that's that's the funny yeah, thing yeah it, it won't is, is you'll be fine you'll be fine with six points out of you know your 2.9k tight end all right let's move on to tournament strategy we've got leverage we've got stacks we've got long shots joey take it in any direction you would like to yeah i mean god i, I know it's chalky but it's just hard for me not to imagine the chargers going off and i want 
every single piece in this game that I can get. I want Justin Herbert to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams stacks and then include Hunter Henry in there and even Austin Eckler if he comes in at lower ownership. But some of those guys could be chalky. So that means you you kind of have to be thoughtful with the way that you play them. And then on the bringbacks, you're going to get, you know, Calvin Ridley at low ownership, probably going to get lost in the shuffle with him being 7,500. Obviously, Keenan's right there. DeAndre Hopkins, Tyler Lockett right below him, who we haven't talked about. And then Julio Jones is 6,600. You know, he he was the first grown man, the grown ass man, I should say. The original he grown was man? The, he was the original, the OG, mm. like he he's the OG OG and 6600 for a player of Julio's caliber is very 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 cheap it's just it's always a concern with Julio whether or not he will finish the game and he didn't practice today I like to think that it's just a rest day for him but he played the whole game last week against New Orleans had 10 targets 6 for 94 so in in this spot I think you play Julio as the bring back it's just a very cheap price tag so that that's my favorite game to target my favorite stack and I like it a lot even though it could be chalky yeah makes a lot of sense think there's a lot of upside there on both sides of the ball my favorite stack this week is the Tampa Bay Bucks stack Right. So out of the four teams that have totals above 29 this week, Green Bay, Tennessee, Seattle, and Tampa, I think the Buck stacks are going to be the lowest owned, like the lowest uh, utilized stack out of those four teams. You know, you're paying 9,300 for Devontae Adams as chalk. You know, stacking Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf takes up 32.6% of your salary. You know, meanwhile, Brady's Mm -hmm. under 7K. Mike Evans is 6,600, and he's always a threat to catch two touchdowns in any given game. Chris Godwin has a ceiling. He's only 6,300, and I would be more than willing to go back to my boy, Mr. Big Chest, after I mistakenly played him in cash a couple of weeks ago. I'm ready for the redemption, (laughs) and at 5,500, just a great price and a beautiful matchup against a bunch of trash cans playing DB for Minnesota. It's a phenomenal stack this week, and I think you can double stack it. The Bucs are just passing a ton in neutral situations. And if they get down, they'll play fast. They're playing fast no matter what. And bring back wise, the Vikings are strong. Thielen is somehow the cheapest guy at 7K. And, and, you know, we know he has a huge ceiling. Justin Jefferson is 7,400, having one of the best rookie seasons of all time at wide receiver. And then Dalvin Cook is going to go under-owned because of, like we said, the perception of the tough defense. But if you're on team defense, doesn't matter. You can plug Dalvin Cook in at a third of the ownership of Derrick Henry, get correlation in your buck stack, and leverage off of you know higher-owned players in that range like Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones. So, I mean, everything about this stack makes a lot of sense to me. Love it this week. Yeah, and I, I like it as well. I'm definitely going to be running that stack in tournaments this week. Uh, I, I think it has a lot of upside, especially the Buck side of the ball. Uh, like you mentioned, the Vikings DBs are just so bad. And this is the spot where you target, you know, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and even Mike Evans. And all three of them are 6,600 or below. So you're not, pl- you're not paying a premium price tag for this stack. So I I like that a lot. What else do you got for tournaments this week? I think I'm going to bring back the uh, long shot segment. I think we kind of gotten away from it over the last couple of episodes. And I have one long shot. And we played him last week. He burned us. And he's been kind of bad over his last couple games uh, in terms of his box score. It's a wide receiver that goes by the name of DJ Chark, who's 5,300. Like we talked about when we discussed Mike Glennon, 
for a little bit. He he's just playing YOLO ball. Um, he had the most deep pass attempts in week 13, and DJ Chark had I think like 130 or 140 air yards, which was up there in terms of wide receivers for week 13. So I think all it takes is just one deep ball against a very beatable Titans secondary to pay off this price tag at 5300. So he is my favorite tournament wide receiver. Uh, you can correlate him with Derrick Henry. You know, you could play him as a one-off. I like that a lot. And I like him in game stacks of this game, especially if you want to stack the uh, Ryan Tannehill, Corey Davis, AJ Brown side of things, which I think is going to be under-owned this week. Yeah, I mean, I love that Titan stack as well. I mean, just for $100 less than Justin Herbert, I think that's solid leverage. And DJ Chark, solid long shot. I mean, he, he was so close last week. Seven targets, only caught two of them. But like you said, the air yards were there. He's got three straight games with under 10 fantasy points on DraftKings. Had a 30 spot right before that. And this Tennessee secondary got, you know, just eaten up by Baker Mayfield, who's not the most prolific passer last week. So I could definitely see DJ Chark bouncing back after scorching us last week. I've got a long shot of my own, and it only feels right to bring it up now in week 14 after the timeline has been littered with people's best ball teams and you know how many best ball teams did you have that moved on so I'm going to bring back one of my guys that was probably my highest touted player one of the guys that you know set up a lot of discussion on this podcast a guy that you you know aggressively disagreed with me on and where I had him ranked in best ball season that's Clyde Edwards Hilaire at 5900 you know I think this Miami team has is an elite passing defense i'm not scared of them being able to limit patrick mahomes by any means but they are softer against the run this is the first time all season that uh ceh has been priced under 6k he's at 5900 season low price on DraftKings. like we said chiefs have a high implied team total ceh is third on the team in targets behind the big two and kelsey and hill i think there's a lot of potential here i mean we saw this backfield without him last week he was like active but didn't play Le'Veon bell daryl williams these guys are just absolute certified scrubs let's get some juice going let's get some clyde edwards hilaire at a good price and practically no ownership yeah i mean i could see the play i i think it's i think it's fine especially since Le'Veon Bell looks like total dust and they could want to just uh, feed CEH in this spot against Miami. But man, I'm just not playing him. Maybe I'm just a hater. You are. Probably. But him being drafted in the top five in, in redraft leagues and best balls, no shot. Uh, <laughs> was never on that. Got proved right. He's probably, which we haven't even talked about, he's probably the biggest bust in terms of ADP. No cap. Uh, I mean, uh, he outproduced a hot... uh, several players who were drafted ahead of him: Christian McCaffrey, well, Saquon Barkley. He, so, I mean, he's about he, to finish he as outprodu- an RB1. He outproduced because they got injured. I mean, let's, but he was a better that draft straight. pick in best ball. Yes or no? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Pre injury, preseason? No, uh, results only. <laughs> Well, yeah, res- <laughs> results only. He's obviously not that right. not that bad of a pick so in hindsight, but you know this is this is a player that it, it, it's just very frustrating 
especially when you play him. He could he could only get eight touches in a game or he could get 15. And I think you just never know. The Chiefs just love to pass the ball a lot, which should theoretically boost his upside, right? Because he's a pass catching running back. And, you know, he does have reception upside, but he also has games where he catches one ball in his range of outcomes. Um, Man, I, I don't know. Tournaments I, only, definitely not cash, but tournaments he, yeah. he could get there. I mean, any anybody on the Chiefs' offense could score three touchdowns in any given game. Demarcus Robinson. I mean, that Nicole that's Hartman, a fact. Clyde edwards hilaire doesn't matter. And I mean, as a running back at the cheapest price of the year, I'm I'm willing to take a shot. I I respect it. Is he? He's your long shot. He is. He is. Okay. Uh, I I respect I respect the call. I think he's gonna go. I think he's gonna be under owned, and he's leverage off of Kelsey Mahomes and uh, Tyreek Hill if he plays. So, mm-hmm. um, we didn't even talk about that. I mean, yeah, what, what, we didn't. That's kind of bad. Well, I just didn't. I didn't want to make it a huge deal because he's probably fine. We haven't heard any indication that he's in serious jeopardy of missing, but he did miss practice on wednesday tyree kill which would obviously be a slate shifting you know piece of news because miko hardman is 3200 and would become like the highest owned player that we've seen in weeks you know probably since that mike davis min price week he would be the highest owned so um we don't really need to get into it because he'll probably play but it's definitely something to keep an eye on and another reason to join the discord because it'll mm-hmm. it'll drastically shift the slate if tyree kill were to miss that's a fact He'd be a lock. Uh, do you have anything else? Another long shot? A, p- a piece of leverage? Anything at all? No, I think that I, I think I don't have any more tournament takes. I think I'm just going to center my tournament teams around these uh, quarterbacks in high totals and in good spots like Justin Herbert, Ryan Tannehill, and even some Aaron Rodgers. Uh, ju- just very expensive stacks. But I don't mind some of the, the cheaper quarterbacks, to be honest. Like, if you want to run a Trubisky stack against Houston... I, I don't hate it. Um, if you want to run Mike Glennon, I might have one share of him. I don't hate it. If you want to run Jalen Hurts in, in a tournament to blow a lineup, I don't hate it. But I think I'm just going to focus my money on playing these guys that have 35 point upside. That's been the correct strategy so far this year. So I'm just going to play what's been winning. Makes sense. Um, and yeah, I agree with that. I'll, I just got two quick little notes I'll shoot out for tournaments. One, I, you know, keeping it with my favorite players from best ball season theme. I like Alan Lazard this week at 5k. I mean, this dude, Marquez Valdez Scantling makes just like jaw dropping mistakes every single week. It's only a matter of time till he just doesn't touch the field period. And I think that, you know, adding Alan Lazard to a, you know, Rogers Devonte Adams stack is a good way to get some um, you know, to drop your cumulative ownership of that tournament lineup. So I, I like him as just sort of like an addition to the Rogers double stack. And then I want to ask you a question as well. Do you think the price discrepancy between Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf has grown to a point where it's starting to become more of a question? Lockett is at 7,200 Metcalf 8400 so it's a $1,200 discount. Obviously, you know, DK Metcalf is the modern-day grown-ass man, and Tyler Lockett is a stone virgin, but he, he does have <laughs> some monster games and monster potential against the Jets team at, at a pretty good price, 7200 Yeah, I mean, I like Tyler Lockett in tournaments. I also like DK Metcalf. The $1,200 discount that you get off of Metcalf going to Lockett, I think, is pretty substantial uh which would incline me to play Lockett over Metcalf and like you said he does have smash games in his range of outcomes I mean we he has a 56 point game and a 40 point game this season but like 
Man, I just want to say it. I'm going to be that guy. I think Tyler Lockett is the most overrated wide receiver in the NFL. That, you know, that, that could be a bad take. Could be a hot take. But God, this man is so hyped up by the fantasy community. So hyped up by multiple DFS touts. And he, you know, he's just solid. Like he's average. Like he's not great. He's not DK Metcalf. He's not an alpha. He's kind of like Brandon Cooks. He's just a beta, and I don't want those guys in my lineup. He has two games this year with over 100 yards. You know, he just teeters around the 50 to 60 yard mark, and, and a lot of those games came when Russ was cooking. Maybe he's not cooking anymore, but God, I just don't want to play Tyler Lockett. Like, he scored a touchdown in only four games this year. He's had two, three touchdown games. Like, I don't see the appeal with this man. Everybody has a hard-on for Tyler Lockett, <laughs> and I don't understand. I literally don't. Can somebody please explain it to me? Because that shit pisses me off every time I see someone tweet about how great Tyler Lockett is. Just had to say that because I'm real life tilted. I mean, look, I get it. I mean, if you look at every player who's in the same price range on DraftKings, Michael Thomas, AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins, Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin, Mike Evans. like They're I'll all better. All of them. They're all better all of them. in real all life fantasy in like even Mike Evans, Julio, Amari Cooper, like they're all better. I just don't understand the infatuation with this dude Tyler Lockett. Some people have him in their top 10 wide receivers in the NFL. Like you're shot if you think he's a top 10 wide receiver. He might not even be top 15. I I actually know why he's so popular in the DFS community. Why? Because he's a virgin just like most of the touts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. And I know this has oh, nothing God. to do with DFS, but I just had to, I had to get that take off. I've been holding on to that take for literally <laughs> months, maybe even some years now. And, you know, I don't, I've never drafted Tyler Lockett in his five or six years in his NFL. Not once, not in a dynasty league, not in a best ball league, not in a redraft league, nothing. I mean, I've played him in DFS, obviously, but like, I just, oh my God, like, I think he's solid. I don't think he's as great as people make him out to be, personally. Could be wrong, but Do you uh you feel better after getting that frustration out? Yeah, I've been holding on I've been holding on to that one too long because he is the most overrated wide receiver in the NFL by far, and I don't even think it's close. Uh, well maybe maybe Tyler Lockett would play better if he got some of that frustration out too. That that's a fact. That is an absolute fact. Oh, God. All right. That was good. That was good. Let, let's move on to our final segment here, a segment that, Worst you bets. Know, <laughs> that might not be on this podcast for too much longer. <laughs> um, best bets, formerly known, currently known as, as worst bets. It's, it's terrible, um, terrible bets. <laughs> before we make our bets for people to avoid this week, I just I have a general betting question that I want to ask you. A few weeks ago, you and I talked about how Justin Herbert was a shoe-in for offensive rookie of the year. You know, Tua got benched, Burrow got hurt. Didn't matter what the odds were. It was like, make the bet, easy money, he's a lock. Well, fast forward to today, we're coming off of two weeks where Justin Herbert has looked extremely human. You know, he got locked down by the Bills. Then he got the, the Belichick hammer dropped on him 45-0 to zero at home last week in an embarrassing loss. And we just saw a couple weeks ago, the Falcons completely limit a Raiders offense that was pretty good coming up to that point. So, I mean, I don't think it's outside of the range where, you know, we, I mean, we both like the Chargers this week, but I could see Justin Herbert laying an egg again. And at that point, I mean, I don't know. Could you make the argument that he has been a better offensive player than Justin Jefferson? 
who's on pace to have more receiving yards as a rookie than Randy Moss did, or or Tua, who could be you know playing in a playoff game while Herbert is stuck on a four or five win Chargers team. I don't know. So I mean, look at these odds: Justin Herbert minus four fifty for Offensive Rookie of the Year, Justin Jefferson plus four fifty, and Tua's fifteen hundred. And I mean, if he's a quarterback and he somehow wins a playoff game. I mean, that, that feels like uh, a stone lock to me. So I don't know. How do you feel about this updating our stance on Justin Herbert as offensive rookie of the year? I think the right bet with those odds is Justin Jefferson. Uh, what you say? Plus 400 plus plus 450. 450 yeah. That's the, that's the correct bet. If you're putting money on the line, cause I'm not laying minus 450 on Justin Herbert. My best bet out of that would be Justin Jefferson, who's been having, you know, one of the best rookie careers, like we said, of all time. And it, it could end up being the best rookie season of all time. Right. So that would be the smart bet would be to pick Justin Jefferson at those odds. And maybe you could throw a couple bucks on, on Tua as a long shot. Uh, but definitely I would not bet on Justin Herbert at this point as a minus 400 favorite there's literally no value in that bet but he could still easily win it just because i I like to think that it's basically a stats award and at the at the end of the year when it's all said and done justin herbert will have the best stats since you know he's throwing 50 times a game and he he's been very consistent in terms of uh stats and and fantasy so i think justin herbert still wins it but i think the best bet to make if you want positive expected value is justin jefferson right i mean i think that this week is going to swing things a lot i mean either justin herbert bounces back heavily and maybe he locks it up you know there's a lot riding on this meaningless game between you know two terrible teams but i think he could either lock it up or if he has a really bad game here and the chargers get locked down again and justin jefferson you know is on pace for one of the best you know receiving lines by a rookie ever i think that i don't know i think these odds shift drastically next uh next week if we see that play out that way but uh, let's move on to our best bets for this week week 14 what do you got for the people god i mean i i kind of just stopped paying attention because like we just been losing like <laughs> what did we what did we go last week uh do you know yeah we went we went one for four you were oh and two and i and i split oh that's a tough scene yeah oh <laughs> uh, but this week i think that you know sticking with the chargers theme I like the Chargers over their implied team total right now of 23 and a half. I think that should be 27, 28. And I know, I know the Falcons did lock down Derek Carr, but they were at home. And Derek Carr is obviously not that great of a quarterback. He's solid, but nothing special. And, and Justin Herbert isn't great by any means, but I think he has more upside than Derek Carr. And I think this is a, very clear bounce back spot for the Chargers. So give me the Chargers over their implied team total. Lock it in and hopefully we can get back into the uh, W column because it's been a couple weeks. It's been a couple months to be honest. We started out so hot and we just, yeah. we just, just fing dove right into, I don't even know. We just dove right into the ice bath because <laughs> we can't, we can't make a, we can't make a crack bet to save our lives right now. Yeah, it's it's definitely rough. And I mean, for that reason, I'm I'm going to make two bets here that I think um, you know, you'll get you'll get good odds on them. I I've got two 
underdog money lines. And I feel like I have to. I have to give people these bets with with good odds because, I mean, if they have, you know, somehow actually been making these bets based on what I've been saying, I mean, shit, chances are they probably had, uh, you know, they got their phone shut off and they're not even listening to this and they're, you know, selling their bodies on the street. So, you know, if by if by chance you're not bankrupt following my bets, we got to get you some money back on some real strong bets. So what we've got today, first off, I want to say Browns at home money line um they're underdogs by one to the ravens and i just i think the rate uh i think the browns are a better team than the ravens straight up you know we've got the ravens they're still going to be dealing with covid issues i mean who knows what's going on after des bryant was ruled with covid on the field that was a whole fiasco but at home i think nick chubb and cream hunt run all over this ravens team to be completely honest with you so uh give me the browns as an underdog money line and then secondly I want to take the Giants at home as an underdog money line against the Cardinals. A lot of buzz about Cliff Kingsbury being a fake sharp, and I think there's some credence to that. You know, Kyler Murray hasn't necessarily been the same since his shoulder injury. You know, whether he's healthy, I don't know, but this Giants defense is legit. They're playing with some energy. They get Danny Dimes back, which, you know, he he's obviously nothing special and, you know, a potential problem for the Giants, but even still, he's an upgrade on Colt McCoy. So those are two home teams that are underdogs that I think can come away with wins this weekend. Okay. And, you know, I like those bets too, especially that Giants bet. They, they've been playing some good football and they're rallying around Joe Judge right now and, and playing good defense. So I like the Giants money line bet a lot. And, you know, there you have it, listeners. So some bets to fade and make a profit this week so yep i I think we're uh, just we're just helping everybody out (laughs) all right that's what we've got for you long episode today episode 115 hope you guys listened hope you enjoyed hope we dropped some gems that can help you win this week week 14 like joey said at the top of the show you can support the podcast in a couple of free and easy ways starting off by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you're currently listening to this on you can also subscribe to our youtube channel joey's millionaire maker preview uh, and stacks video will be out today by the time you're hearing this my cash pool video will come out on friday along with the article and uh yeah you can also follow us on twitter at the dfs dose and our personal twitters i am at ben hover b-e-n-h-a-u-v-e-r Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at JoeyCarrionDFS. All right, guys, let's make some strong plays and sail to the money. We'll be back on Monday with our Week 14 recap show. We will talk to you then.